Hey guys, it's uh, Brod, the host here. Um, basically, just a quick, not really a warning, but basically there's just been a couple of technical issues with this episode in terms of getting it out. And therefore, as a result, you'll hear some stuff that might be slightly dated towards the end, especially when we're referencing our G1 special episode, which has already come out by now. So not only give that a listen, but give the give this episode a listen to apologies for the today hope you enjoy our reviews of AEW's fighter fest uh eve's wrestle kingdom and our thoughts on paul Heyman and eric bischoff surprisingly uh we even got those out too so enjoy the show gentlemen welcome to the holy shoot wrestling podcast a podcast that is all about the world of professional wrestling i'm your host broderick and joining me is me is sam the one that wasn't on for two weeks but now i'm back and yeah you're the only one here. uh yeah. jason couldn't make it because he's just sulking that eric bischoff returned to wwe uh chen was so delighted with AEW that he was just like you know what I'm done with wrestling, and Chris, he, he's probably under some bridge somewhere drinking vodka. So, a you usual know, Tuesday night for Chris. Oh no! Wait, his usual Tuesday <laughs> night is gin. It's even worse. Oh, uh, <laughs> we're not. Even though we're from London, we're not gin fans. Quite surprisingly, yeah. are you? Are you a gin fan? I should have I like, yeah, I like a gin and tonic because it's a drink that makes me feel like an adult. And I think because it's not sweet, it's like if you give it to a kid and they drink it, they're going to go, oh, that's gross. So when I drink it, I'm like, I fucking made it. But actually, you don't like the taste of it. Oh, I wouldn't put gin in anything else. I think it only <laughs> it only goes with tonic. So I do like a gin and tonic occasionally. But yeah, a gin is a good way of ruining other cocktails, I think. Oh, see, I don't like tonic water, so therefore I can't really drink gin and tonic without wanting to die inside. Oh, I don't like tonic <laughs> water either. It's like oh. only the combination I can I can put uh, up with, and I don't know why. Fair enough. Like, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of like pastrami. I'm not a huge fan of mustard. I'm not a huge fan of pickles. But combined, all three, it's a miracle. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. There's lots of stuff like that. I think. Yeah. Yeah, uh, lots of stuff like that. Just like SCU, I just want to say that. Um, <laughs> which leads us on to uh, what we're going to be doing for today's show. We're going to be covering AEW's Fighter Fest, uh, Eve's Wrestle Kingdom Two that Sam and I went to as well as Jason and producer Chris. Yes, he still exists. He's uh, a real person. <laughs> he's a real boy. He is uh, a real boy. <laughs> and. Uh, what else are we doing? Oh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Heyman and Bischoff and what it means for the future of Raw and SmackDown. And obviously, uh, Sam, you have gotten to enter something into the Ring of Dishonor. Which yes, I, I have. Already, I already kind of know what you're going to be putting in because you're upset with the little angle that played out on Raw last night. Yes, I am. <laughs> but we'll save it for then. So join us after this short break for AEW's Fighter Fest review. So, 
So, AEW Fighter Fest happened uh, this past Saturday night in good old Daytona Beach, uh, Daytona Beach, Daytona Beach, Florida. Let's just keep that in. Uh, you know, nine matches on the card if you include the pre-show. It was definitely an interesting event. A lot of people actually really liked this event just as much as Double or Nothing, as far as what I can get. Mm on social media, but unfortunately for the uh, AEW team, one event stands out more than anything else, and it's unfortunately a negative, and that is the chair shot to Cody Rose by Sean Spears, which led to uh, Cody being busted open. This is after the draw with Darby Allen. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a really unfortunate angle. So, what, what, Yeah, so, Sam, what... Yeah. what thoughts on it, this first of all what are your thoughts on just the spot in general like how horrifying it was when you watched it and then afterwards do you think it's a bad thing AEW did here I so yeah basically when, when the chair shot to the head happened I thought ah, that's you know when I see that happen on any show there's only one thing repeating in my head and it's that name Chris Benoit Chris Benoit, Chris. That's all I can think about. As soon as I see some see someone get hit in the head, I yeah. just think, why would you do that? You know, knowing that he can't even claim ignorance. He's Cody fucking Rhodes. Like you can't be more in the wrestling industry than him. And you know, he definitely has a finger on the pulse. So I don't know why they did it. It was gross as well. The flap of skin hanging off the back of his head. Yeah, disgusting. Yeah, apparently the gimmick was. Uh, so apparently the chair was gimmicked according to the Young Bucks and, and I think the idea was that the chair to lessen the impact to the blow to the head was supposed to like fold open uh, upon impact so it wouldn't be that bad but of course something went mm. wrong but I, I I just really hated this angle I thought it, I mean it's just shocking like you, you know Everyone knows about concussion, CTE, and even if you don't have a concussion, you can still get CTE from these sorts of shots. It's a very risky thing to do. It's an unnecessary thing to do. And yeah, I mean, we speak about Chris Benoit, but I mean, there's other things. I mean, Balls Mahoney had his brain scrambled. Mick Foley can't remember some stuff from the 90s because yeah. of it. I mean, there's other, other Mike Awesome, Misato Tanaka, the list goes on. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, in order to keep this sport alive and people to live longer in the sport, this is the sort of stuff that um, should be avoided at all costs. Yeah, even if you've gimmicked the chair in some way, it's still you know, the visual you know, yeah. you, you don't want to be encouraging it at all. It's just something that you don't need to do at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I wholly agree. Uh, I, th I think it's just really bad when you consider that this product will go on TV in a few months and, you know, you take this risk in your second show. Um, mm. I think that is just – I think that's ignorance – uh, an unnecessary level of ignorance as well considering as you said it's Cody Rhodes and so <laughs> he, he should know better not necessarily yeah. the young bucks or Kenny Omega because they haven't been in like the nautical WWE the big leagues but you know comparatively speaking you know WWE obviously have more experience than this Cody Rhodes has had more experience going through that the entire WWE mm. process 
so he would, should know more than anyone else within that company not to do a spot like that. Yeah. Same with Sean Spears. I mean, I'm not sure why he agreed to it. No, it's, it's kind of, a yeah, it's a bit uh, out, of, out of the left field. Uh, yeah, like you say, unnecessary. So something interesting you said about them taking this big risk on their first show, something that uh, they do is the New Japan style post-match interviews with, yeah. they actually have press rather than just AEW guys asking questions. Um, yeah. And the, I watched the one with Tony Khan where he was saying, that was completely unacceptable. It shouldn't have happened. If they asked me if it was okay to do it, I would have said no. I, you know, I unequivocally uh, distance myself from and apologize for that being on my TV show. He was like, he seemed as angry as you could imagine someone like Tony Khan ever getting publicly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, he might be protecting himself by saying that. I mean, yeah, he, he is a be. separate entity to those guys. And uh, he had more investments outside of uh, this promotion. So, yeah, I mean. Yeah, interesting. I, I, I can't. Re- I mean, it's, it's interesting. Those posts. I'm not a huge fan of those AEW press conferences, FYI. It's not. Here's the thing, right? Going off the sidetrack. I don't mind them doing it, but I wish they stuck to like New Japan style where it's kayfabe. You know? Yeah. 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 I like that. I really like that about New Japan. And yeah. a little, I, I was hoping they're going to go more in that direction with AEW, but maybe not. Yeah, it's, it seems like some people are real, like, I know, Tony Khan, the Young Bucks, I listen to Ali and Jungle Boys one as well. Mm. And then you have, like, people in character, like uh, MJF, for MJF. example. MJF. Fucking all. He that, was, he's the other if, one I watched. Yeah. Like, if anyone who's a, into this hasn't watched the MGF uh, post conference from AEW's Fighter Fest. Watch the MGF post conference. It is really, really good. He's great and a great example of character work. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Did you uh, uh, did you notice him uh, running in t- with the chair and then getting to the ring when Cody's all bleeding, seeing Cody in the middle of the ring and then throwing the chair on the ground, jumping in the ring like, "Oh my God, Cody, are you okay?" Did you clock that? I uh, thought that was fantastic. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Uh, like MGF, kind of a face in that moment. I don't think that dynamic works very well. Uh, no, he was running into to clock Cody with the chair originally. He was going to do the beatdown, and then he sees Darby. Uh, no, sorry, your man sure. Sean Spears has already done it, and so he then turns from "I'm going to turn on Cody" to "Cody Rhodes, you're my best friend again," which is like that's one of the biggest heel moves you can do. He's being two faced. Uh, I didn't see it. Maybe, maybe it was there. Like, I didn't see it. Um, I don't know. I, I am can't really comment because I haven't seen it properly. So oh, I, I guess I missed that. Let's talk about yeah. the actual match itself, Cody Darby Allen. What did you think of the time limit draw? Yeah, I mean, why? I don't like time limit draws really. I think it, it just it's like a non-ending with a few exceptions. There have been a few really good time limit draws, but it's Okada like, Omega two exactly. Um, but th- in fact, that's the only one I can think of where I watched it and I thought, okay, that was still good. Every, it, every other time, it's just been ba- bad. It, I mean, I I actually really liked it. It gave a sense of pressure to close the match, and I think it was really well timed. 
I think the only issue I'd have going forward is if they try and do that spot one too many times. We've yeah. seen it like multiple times with like iron matches in WWE where it's like the last minute there's always a fall or a near fall, you know, like, oh, oh yeah, this it? is where and it's just such a cliche and it doesn't work. The reason why it works in this instance is because it's that's it. That is it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Cause that he was about to get the pin, wasn't he? And then yeah. the time ran out. Yeah. I'd, I'd forgotten about that detail, which is actually probably quite key. Um, but something I didn't like about this match and I kind of annoys me about new Japan matches sometimes as well is like the referees, not DQing people yeah. when they do stuff that they should be DQ'd for. Yeah. Um, like Cody, as soon as he hit Darby Allen with the belt, that should have been the end of the match. Yeah. I, I think I put, I think I sent a message to one of my friends who were talking about Final Fest. It's just like, I, I said it should have ended DQ finish, Darby Allen wins. And I was just like, be consistent or be WWE. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that's how I put it. Um, yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was, I thought it was the only real bad thing. That and yeah. the coffin drop onto the ring apron, which I thought, oh, I did not enjoy watching that spot at all. Like yeah, That's like it, a it, kind it, of... It looks really cool, and then you think spinal injuries down yeah, the line, yeah. and I think that's such that's such a young and reckless move to make, and I would not encourage that. And again, it goes back to the fact that we I'm comparing I'm going to compare AEW to WWE a lot because AEW, whilst they say they're the alternative, they are actually the competitor to WWE. Mm. Um, so I'm going to compare them to WWE a lot. And I think the one thing, you know, another thing is take less risks because you want these guys to live longer. If you allow them to do whatever the hell they want, and this is something I've always appreciated WWE for, even though it limits them in terms of movesets, um, is, you know, you've got to restrict some moves like that because that's going to come back to AEW. Yeah, Maybe yeah, exactly. Yeah, five year, ten years, twenty five years. Who knows how long down the line? But people are going to look back at those spots and think, "Dumb, I shouldn't have done that." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're living in a post ECW kind of era, you yeah. know, and there's a reason why half of their roster is dead. Um, yeah, which is a bit grim, is but true. Uh, I mean, with those two things aside, I will say that I think this was my match of the night. And it's and, and I think this is a point that I wanted to make. It's such a shame the chair shot happened because I really enjoyed the storytelling mm. of this match. There's a couple of things that didn't work, like the disaster kick, uh, body bag bit, Thing, which, yeah. which I thought was a cool idea, but it just wasn't properly executed. But apart from that, I thought this was a really good match. And it's, uh, I mean, for me, Cody has hit it out of the park two out of two times. Yeah, it's surprising given that going into All Elite Wrestling, if you'd said, who do you think is the most capable member of of the Elite, Cody Rhodes wouldn't be the one that anyone said, I don't think. He's like, he has a reputation as do it being like solid, but not great. I think is- a lot. I think a lot of people forget, though, that Cody, you know, apart from growing up in the WWE system, so he's never going to look the flashiest comparison to, say, the Will Ospreys and the Cody Bush. Yeah, true which is the level that he's supposed to be at when he was in New Japan. But I think people forget how great a storyteller he was. I think people forget that he was tipped to be WWE champion by a lot of people 
online when he was a mid-carder in WWE post-legacy mm. um, because of his great storytelling, his great promo work, and his great character work. And he he had some really good matches in that company. And he's had some good matches in Ring of Honor and New Japan as well. I think we kind of forget that because, you know, for every, for every great match he has, he has one that doesn't quite hit, like the Juice Robinson one at Wrestle Kingdom. Oh yeah, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't so good. I think that was mainly due to injury, so bad example, but yeah. Oh yeah, something I just thought about. Yep. They're back to doing the for his introduction. He was Cody Rhodes for a while, but now they're back to being Cody with Brandy Rhodes. What's can they can he not use the Rhodes name anymore? Can he not be Cody Rhodes because no, WWE have so why are they so, still doing the same intro? So basically, I think it. Cody legally changed his middle name to Rhodes, so he can actually use Cody Rhodes. I think he's chosen not to because of, well, basically, uh, he can't get sued by WWE. I know that for a fact. Mm. Um, but I think it might be something to do with the fact that it's an identi- it, it kind of identifies him with WWE a bit. So, I mean, I... Uh, I don't get why he doesn't do it. I mean, it's, it sounds better, Cody Rhodes, and just Cody. Hey, it's Cody, you know, Cody. And it also sounds like Codeine. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah. So from one dangerous match to another, let's talk about the main event, which um, had a less dangerous, not surprisingly, with barbed wire and tables galore. Mm. The main event, the non-sanctioned match, although technically not the main event, as Justin Roberts said, uh, between <laughs> John Moxley and Joey Janela. Can we just start off with the pants, in my opinion? Uh, the absolute pants uh, introduction to this match. Uh, if you don't want to watch this, just turn away. We're going to dark the lights and then come back up, and it's not an AEW presentation. Yeah. Meanwhile, you have everything that says AEW. They come out to the ring by the entrance. Oh, dear. Like, John Moxley didn't even come through the crowd. Like, John Moxley looked more unsanctioned in New Japan. Yeah, I think the whole concept of a non-sanctioned match is a bit silly, isn't it? Like, I don't think anyone buys, like, oh, the wrestling company doesn't want to put this match on, but the crowd wants to see it so badly, they're going to lend them some time on their international TV show. So the only time time where I felt it worked was take over New Orleans between Gargano and Champa, but that's because they had the story of, Gargano is no longer part of the NXT roster. He kept invading the show. You know, in a, oh, time, yeah. in, in a time of kayfabe being prevalent, that would have worked even better. Um, but as in terms of the story, you know, Gargano must beat Champa in this unsanctioned match in order to reinstate him to NXT. That works. Here, that makes should, sense. Here, yeah. in, the, in this scenario, they should have just called it death match. We don't approve, but, you know, this is... They could work around it some somewhere different to say non-sanctioned. They should have just really called it hardcore match, just like Nakazawa yeah. and Jabate, which we'll talk on a bit later. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, so what? Yeah. I think the reason they didn't call it a hardcore match is because the Nakazawa Jabate match was called a hardcore match, but they yeah. should have called the Nakazawa Jabate match some stupid video game pun or something, yeah. and then have this be a hardcore match. So anyway, as you were saying. Yeah, it's maybe like ultimate fatality match for Nakazawa yeah, versus exactly. Jabay. That's a great name. Yeah. Brought for AEW creative confirmed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. They're never going to hire me after 
I've panned him twice. Um, mm. No, it's just like WWE. Should I apply for a job there? No, mm. I'll never get a job as soon as this is podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so overall thoughts on the match then, Sam? I thought it was a fun enough match. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not going to win any awards. I don't think Joey Janela is a particularly great actual wrestler. Uh I don't know, some people might disagree with me, but I think he is like the definition of doing stupid shit to get over. Um, and, and, but I, I went into it not really expecting an incredible match. And they had some cool spots. The barbed wire board, that's the kind of thing you don't really see on TV anymore. So that was fun. Yeah, I mean, they did have thumbtacks on the main roster a couple of years ago between Ambrose and Jericho but that was, yeah, a hor- yeah. that was a horrible cage match um, yeah I didn't love this match I thought it'd be I mean when you expect something like this between Moxie and Janela I expect both of them blading yeah I know I shouldn't encourage it or anything like that because I'm, I'm like 50-50 on the topic but when it's something like this um not the story dictates it, but the match itself dictates that blood should be everywhere. And really, you didn't get that much. Like, you saw, the, I mean, the barbed wire spots are obviously vicious. Um, mm. There's obviously a lot of vicious spots. It was a fun match, but this was a main event. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, yeah. yeah. I, and also, I just... I didn't need to see Joey Janela taking a bump onto thumbtacks with bare feet. I know he's done it before, and I don't need. I don't want. That was too gross. I mean, I know it's a death match. Yeah, uh, I, 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 yeah, I. I'll say this. I thought I hate to use this comparison again, but Gargano Champa from Takeover Chicago. That was a similar sort of like style of match, and I felt that was more brutal, even though there's no blood. And I think a part of the issue here is there's no. I mean, there is story, obviously, on being the elite and on the road to Fighter Fest or whatever they call those shows. And I, I've seen some of that, and it's very good promo work by the two guys, etc. But I think, I think the problem for me, and this is more of a personal thing, I think, is there's no real story leading to half these matches. Yeah. Therefore, I don't feel engaged and i think with the problem with moxie versus janela is something like an unsanctioned match doesn't usually kick start a rivalry unless there's history there and there's no it's no the blow off isn't it yeah and you could say oh it's the old king of the death match versus the new king of the death match that's fine but that's like dream match territory you know you've got to build to that a bit more than just mm. a blow off on a b show which this is what it is it is a b show yeah it was it's based on the fact that joe janela was having a fag indoors and john moxley smoked some of the fag and that was that it was like a really yeah i didn't like the build to this at all mm. um and joe yeah. janela's reason for being in the match which was i'm crazy and i want to die in the ring so then, yeah, I didn't. I thought his promos were a bit flat, but then Moxley's in response was were obviously great because oh, he's, yeah. he's new wrestling Jesus, isn't he? Um, <laughs> he could be the Steve Austin of AEW. If mate, he could be the Steve Austin of whichever company he works in. Well, that's how uh, I felt about him in 2015, but they didn't put the WWE title on him until a year too late. So you know, not his fault though, is it? That's, no, not his fault. Not his fault. Like I was thinking, oh god, Seth Rollins, really? It's, oh yeah. I, 
I, I was always I was always an Ambrose fan. So like out of the three members of the Shield, Rollins was my least favorite, and Ambrose was my guy. And Reigns was just like, eh, Reigns is pretty cool, but you know, yeah. Ambrose is my dude. <laughs> and no, they thought less of him. He was the one I wanted to like the most, and then I saw him in a match, and he did that like weird, the wacky line, and then I just thought this guy's shite. I mean, th- he wasn't, obviously, and I know he's not, but that move <coughs> just looks stupid. <laughs> it, yeah. So yeah. anyway, <laughs> that's uh, my uh, thoughts on that one move. Um, oh, yeah. So he's re- wrestling in jeans again. But I read an interview with New Japan today where he said, I don't ever want to wrestle with- in jeans again. So he obviously changed his mind on that one. I think it's more to do with the fact that it's match type. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, it's essentially a street fight. You wear street clothes. Yeah, you do. Yeah, always wear your jeans for a street fight, yeah. even though it's actually harder to wrestle in them. Different spots. Uh, yeah, true. Uh, also, might protect you from the barbed wire a tiny bit. So. Yeah, that's know. not I, bad thinking, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, uh, but yeah, I think I think he'll go back to the black tights um, next couple of shows he does. So. Should lastly, we talk about? Oh, sorry. That, yeah, like the final segment, uh, Kenny Omega beating down John Moxley in reciprocation of uh, Double or Nothing. Oh yeah, that was cool. I I enjoyed it. Yeah, do you think John Moxley's last laugh was actually a really well done moment? Because I thought it was great. Yeah, Just it was. Him actually having the last laugh and that was the last shot. I thought that was great. Very, 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 very good. It's yeah. it, all he has to do is, you know, get beaten up and then laugh about it. And I'm like throwing money at the television, like yeah. whichever show this match happens on, mm-hmm. just I'll pay for it. I might, I'll get it on pay per view. And if I could, I'd go and see it live. Yeah. Just, I, just that's how much I want to see it. Yeah. No. Seriously, like I would, I would love to see that match live. I'd think I, uh, you know, for those who think I'm shitting on AEW, I'm not. I want them to succeed, but. I'm really looking forward to all out just for Moxie versus Omega alone. Yeah, it's going to be an. Uh, I mean, could you argue that they're two of the best men's wrestlers in the world? Possibly, like um, Omega more than Mo- I mean, Moxie was never technical, but then again, like you don't need technical when you can tell a story like Moxie. No, exactly. I so when I say best, I am. I guess I'm talking not necessarily just in ring. Oh, okay. Like the total package, you know. Uh, I think Moxie's a better total package, if I'm honest. I would agree. But I, th- I, I think it, that's not to say Omega is not a total package in himself. I just think because, and again, WWE comparison, I know Moxie's been there, Omega hasn't. And to a lot of these guys, weekly TV will be a very new thing to them. Mm. So, you know, you, you I mean, it's, that's why it's great that they're signing a few WWE guys here and there, like Moxley, like, uh, you know, even TNA guys like Christopher Daniels. That will help. So, yeah. 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 Anyway, shall we move on to, uh, speaking of Kenny Omega, the Elite versus the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid. What, what are your thoughts on this match? I'm going to be honest with you, Brod. I actually, I was thinking about this before the show. And I yep. realised I can't really remember much about this match. I was definitely watching it, <laughs> but I actually, I like, it was yeah. it just washed over me like another six man flippy tag match. I mean, it had cool spots in it, but yeah. I remember the Hadouken, and I remember oh, yeah. I remember the failed Meltzer driver, 
But that's about it. So this yeah. is embarrassing. I was hoping you would know a bit more. No, a lot of people, no, people love this match. I just thought, oh, this is a nut. And I love the Lucha Brothers. I love Kenny Omega. First time seeing Laredo Kid, I, I, I admit I was impressed by his athleticism. But when I see Young Bucks, I just switch off mentally because I just think there's going to be too much going on for me. Yeah. Yeah, but that's kind of what happened in this one. I, I, oh, yeah. sorry. No, no, I'll let you finish. I was just going to say, I think... If I saw this in a swimming pool in Crystal Palace, yep. then I would be like, yeah, great match. But, like, this is a big pay-per-view, not some house show. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I just... I, yeah, I, I really... Uh, I, I really want to engage with this match, and I fail to do so, and therefore it's frustrating because I can't really comment on it. But it, it goes back to my... And I think I'm in the minority when I say this. So I am saying I am in the minority. But when it comes to the Young Bucks, I know they're talented, right? They have the gift of the gab. They they are marketing geniuses. Uh, the fact that they got AEW existed is absolutely amazing. Kudos to them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they are terrific in-ring talents in terms of what they can do. But I always feel everything's an in-joke. Uh, which really annoys me. Uh, mm. Like they, they don't seem to take wrestling seriously sometimes. And I know, I know I have a tendency to laugh at some really bad comedy. Like I laugh at the twenty four seven stuff. I think a lot of people do, but that's because our truth's delivery. Uh, I'm using that as an example. I I can laugh at some of the. St- I laughed at the fire festival stuff, which we'll get onto. Mm. Um, so it's not. It's just something about them where I just think rein it in and just be a bit more serious because you are an amazing talent but my god you're, yeah. an, amazing, you're an amazing talent for house shows like i don't i don't ever want to see you on tv the thing is i have seen them have like serious matches where they oh, get yeah. serious during the match they can do it they just don't yeah and they can just... sell they can do they can do everything they can do everything like you know I mean, they are one of the best tag teams in the world, and I can't even argue that. That, that tag team match with the Golden Lovers they had last year, phenomenal stuff. Exactly. Um, but that that wasn't the same as here. That, you know, yeah. it's very different. Yeah, and I think the other thing I have, which is an issue, um, is they were going for a more sports-like presentation, which they clearly succeeded. I, I wouldn't say succeeded with, but... It's going towards that way with Cody versus Darby Allen with the time limit draw. And then you get something like this, which is just catering to fans. And not that it's a bad thing, but I think the biggest problem I have with this show, and this match kind of summarizes it, is it doesn't have a clear identity. AEW does not have a clear identity yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think they know what they want to do. Like everything was different. That's great. Yeah. And at the same time, you just go, so do you want to be the sports site presentation where you're almost UFC-like? Do you want to have comedy moments? Do you want to be sports entertainment redefined? What, what do you want to do? At the end of the day, all they're doing is a bunch of in-jokes at the moment, and that doesn't really mm. work for me. It's just a shame because they have an amazing roster. They have amazing creative. They just need to establish identity. I think. And I think that's my primary problem. 
Yeah, that's. I mean, that's why I think it's fair to say that you can't really form a conclusion about whether AEW is a success or not until they start doing weekly TV, because that's going to be where they find their find their footing or don't. Exactly. Um, yeah. So shall we move on to something which I thought was a really great match? Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if you did, but the four-way match uh, between Adam Page, Jimmy Havoc, Jungle Boy, with Luchasaurus mm. and MJF. What I, I thought this was a really fun match. I think everyone got their spots in. Everyone looked pretty strong. Uh, good booking in the sense that Adam Page gets a win. Yeah. MJ, MJF doesn't eat the pin. I think that was equally important mm-hmm. for his character. In terms of four-way matches... In terms of the fact that it's only like 11 minutes long, they did a lot of stuff, and I really, really enjoyed this match. Yeah, same. I, I, I think I went into it not really expecting mm-hmm. that much, but yeah, they definitely exceeded my expectations. Uh, everyone, like you say, got their shit in. Also, it's really nice seeing Jimmy Havoc getting like a big successful run in a big company. Yeah, um, I think I think Havoc could be very interesting. Um, you know, I I was trying to think like where could he fit in terms of what AEW's going for, and I still think that way. But I think he does make a solid mid card, and he he has elements of personality which could really work, and he has a look that will be unique in comparison to everyone else. Yeah, exactly. weirdly, weirdly, I do want to see him form a tag team with Darby Allen. That would be pretty cool. So, I think, like Darby Allen is like Jimmy Havoc's like Padawan. I would love to see. Yeah, him like yeah. That. <laughs> then you can build that into a mental feud. Like, yeah, that would be a big, a yeah, big like, bloody horrific like match. Jim, Jimmy Havoc and Darby Allen versus Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Book it. Book it. Book it. Book it for the Cody. opening match. <laughs> just so, chucking SCU there, just saying this is the worst town I've ever been in again. And, you know, done. That's it. I, I also liked uh, the when they're introducing Jimmy Havoc for this match, all the other wrestlers get weighing 225 pounds. Jimmy Havoc gets weighing 14 stone. I was like, yeah, that's the weights we like in England. Confusing yeah. ones. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I weigh less than Jimmy Havoc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not a big lad either. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I really, I should really put on the muscle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, well, he's obviously more ripped than I, I thought he'd be. But I think as, yeah, he's going to surprise people in this con- company because I think a lot of people pin him as a deathmatch guy, and he does do that a lot yeah. because he's good at it. But he actually can wrestle really, yeah. really, really well. I mean, that's why Progress let him as their first world champion, if I'm right, yeah, or yeah, one of the was. first world champions, and. um yeah, I think he, you know, he's responsible for the rise. One of the main guys responsible for the rise of British wrestling, and there's a reason why. He's like very good character work. He teaches a lot of people how to how to do things safely, even in death matches. Like he's a very good teacher by all accounts. Yeah, very good guide. And I think um, even though like big TV and big arenas will be new to him, I think he'll take to that like a duck duck to water uh he's got that sort of personality by all accounts yeah um yeah he's overall a really good guy so yeah yeah Uh, and yep uh also one last thing that that insane move jungle boy did off the top turnbuckle to dive onto all three men never seen that before 
loved it and yeah. i don't i don't usually love flippy shit so <laughs> jungle boy is going to go far again another solid solid mid carder yeah. more flippy and less kind of cutty than jimmy do, havoc yeah do you think jungle boy could be like the ricochet of uh, or will osprey of AEW? yeah i think they could definitely build him to something like that and also I, also that, good t-shirt match. yes yeah 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 and the tag team a boy and his dinosaur yeah, it really works. Yeah, it really works. Didn't Justin Robertson or no, it was the commentary is just like he's coming down on his dinosaur. It's just like yeah, fine, that's just normal. Uh, I mean, okay, I've complained about AEW's identity issues, but that's too funny, so I'll let that slide. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, I thought that was really great. So from one one multi-man match to another, uh, well, woman match this time. Rio defeats Yuka, Sakazaki, and Nyla Rose um, in a three-way match. A lot of praise has been given to this match. What were your thoughts, Sam? I thought it was a good match. I thought there was a lot of wobbliness. Maybe, I don't want to say botching, because it was like they recovered from it, and they generally did work it into the match when they fucked up, but they did fuck up quite a lot. Yeah, I, um, I was surprised about the high amount of praise this match received, considering the. Um, I think the final third of this match was excellent. Uh, I think it really made Nyla Rose look strong, even in yep. defeat. Um, but yeah, I just. I think my issues are twofold: a, what you said, and b, Nyla Rose not winning the match. I think. Yeah. Ni- I think Nyla Rose is potentially where your money is at like awesome kong is not going to be there for too long i think like she has retired before in professional wrestling Mm. so i'm not sure she's going to stay around for the long term and i think after not winning the first match you need to you need to build her up a bit so i think i think that's a mistake um not putting her over uh rio and yuka sakazaki because i think you had a huge opportunity to make um a star yeah a star and you know you need monster heels on both sides of the roster and it's something that WWE has failed you know to do with Nia Jax in my opinion yeah step up step up with awesome Kong and Nyla Rose uh in AEW and I really want to see those two women like get pushed um in in terms of like heel work and I I think that's been missed I, I think this is a missed opportunity yeah I, I would agree. Nyla Rose has actually surprised me a lot. I wasn't really expecting her to be that great because I think she was relatively unknown before yeah. appearing on AEW. Actually, she's very good at wrestling. Yeah, um, I, I really like the spot where she caught uh, Riho and then Yuka Sakazaki <laughs> at the yeah, same time in that double Very good. Thing. And then the transitions afterwards were really good. But as I said, I think the final third was great, but I think, yeah, I, I'm not connecting with these two Japanese girls at all. Ah, uh, see... Interesting you'd say that, because I, I thought, even though they're a little bit botchy, uh, I thought something, uh, as overall, actually, more of a takeaway from stardom and the way they train their wrestlers in general is, like, powerful facial expressions and expressions of, like, emotion. You can pick up from any stardom wrestler, like, straight away what they're feeling. So there was a great spot in this match where... Um, I think Yuka and Riho had been teaming up to to, to on Nyla Rose, obviously, because they're so much smaller. But then 
uh, Riho turns on Yuka Sakazaki and the look on her face was like, I can't believe you've betrayed me. And like it was I got so drawn into it that I was like, fuck you, Riho. How can you do that to your friend? You know, uh, and yeah, we'll come, yeah. come to it later. But same I, with the, the stardom girls that appeared at the Eve show as well. All the same. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I just don't know. I, maybe it's just me. Uh, I just thought, yeah, you know, like maybe I've been conditioned in such a way from years of bad WWE treatment to uh, Japanese superstars that I'm kind of like, yeah, they'll never get over. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know how well known these ones are. No, I, I know. Are. I think Riho is mates with Kenny Omega or Kenny Omega knows yeah, her. Yeah, like Ke- Kenny's a huge fan of Riho. A huge, is he now? Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> and uh, l- last thing on the main show before we touch on the pre-show briefly, uh, Seema defeats Christopher Daniels in some sort of singles-based rematch from the opener at Double or Nothing where SCU went over O. V, not O V E O W E. Strong hearts. Yep, they're from the O W E promotion. I'm getting there. I don't have a script for once, so allow it, ladies and gentlemen. We're winging this one. Yeah, we are winging this. So, Seba, Christopher Daniels. I thought this was a strong opener. Yeah. Fifty-fifty uh, booking. Is that the only problem with this, or do you think they need to put uh, the strong heart guys over a bit because you know? So. My question would be, when does it become 50-50 booking? How many matches do you have to have before it becomes... Because, like, it does, to have had two matches where you won one and they won one, yeah. that doesn't feel... Because, like, that leads then into the natural third match being the final one. So when does it become 50-50 booking? I'm not entirely sure. I'm just asking the question. Like, uh, I, th- I think sometimes you just go, oh, well, they exchange victories. And we're very guilty of it. I think, yeah, that's uh, true. you know, when AEW becomes uh, weekly TV, we're going to probably have this, that same sort of criticism from time to time uh, as that we do with Monday Night Raw, mm. um, where are oh, the exchange victories, therefore it's 50-50 booking. So that's why I'm just throwing it out thing again. Yeah, that makes sense. I think also, I, I don't know, I'd take that phrase to mean like a more – general thing where every time uh, uh, two wrestlers have two matches one will win one and one will win the other as like a trope for the whole show in in, in like a similar vein to like oh the g1 winner never loses the briefcase or whatever like new japan has or the champion never loses their title on a house show like things where you just know the result of the match already but maybe AEW hasn't been around enough to do that but yeah i thought this was a fine opening match pretty good yeah, I thought it was a really fun opening match too. I, I think the right person did actually win, by the way. Uh, yeah. Just, just testing you. So let's talk about the pre-show briefly. And this got panned by quite a lot of people, which I think is unfair because I think one match is really good. And that was a three-way tag team match. Hell yeah. That might be, I think that was possibly my favorite, one of my favorite matches on the card. Yeah, the tag definitely team one match. of my favorite matches. Yeah. The private party really impressed me. Um, yeah. They're think, very good. I think that is a great way of getting someone over in defeat. Um, you know, they're really bit as much as I'm not a huge fan of the commentary on AEW, I think they did a great job in terms of uh really really putting over certain people tonight. 
and i think they did a really good job putting private party over and just saying hey these guys are great you know they can do it all and i think best friends winning kind of makes sense because they're a bit more established so it's all done yeah. well until yeah. the dark border yeah I th- oh yeah that was a bit weird but yeah. um yet again just to quickly refer back you mentioned the commentary there i thought that this show was much better than than the the previous show with a few exceptional moments uh like there's one call where uh excalibur goes uh oh you've got to be wondering this far into the match are they guessed right now i was like mate just ask if they're tired yeah yeah you know the insider terms he needs to stop doing that but apart from that i thought it was jr knew all the wrestlers way better had interesting insight excalibur was actually bearable on play-by-play it was a bit better i thought anyway yeah yeah i would say so i think you know excalibur will improve over time i think they do need to rate that's another thing it's, it's just like the unbox raining the in you know insider references and jokes because you're trying to appeal to the mass audience at the end. Yeah, of the yeah. Day. This um, is not a niche anymore. Yeah, exactly. And I think they, I think we as fans forget that. I think um, you can be intelligent without being an insider, and I think yep. that's a failing that AEW is not trying to differentiate at the moment because WWE insults your intelligence on a weekly basis. AEW does not, but instead it's very, yes. very exclusionary. Yes. Of, um, yeah, 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 yeah. People, and then and then we saw Ali versus librarian woman Lever Bates. Oh dear! This I is this is. I thought this was boring. Yeah, I thought this was the most WWE that uh, AEW's ever come close to being. I do not understand the librarian gimmick. I do not think it's funny. They're both. I'm sure both of them are great character actors, and I'm yeah. sure they're great wrestlers. But I, mean, I don't want to see them on TV. Le- Lever Bates got over as blue pants in NXT, so I, was, I, I had some hopes for her in this role. But yeah, th- this sucks. Um, I think it sucks for Lever and Peter Avalon. Uh, I think they're both capable of much better. It sucks for Ali too because, well, she's not the best wrestler. She's actually a really good character worker um you know like her stuff on impact with rosemary and the sinister minister and all that in the recent months the demon bunny has all been a bit fun was, uh yeah i don't watch impact but was she the lady who had the bride at the altar gimmick for a while no, no that, that was someone else that was someone else but oh, that's that too young um yeah no uh yeah, Ali was a bunny and then Sue Young possessed her. And I can't remember the exact story, but essentially Ali got a, a throat cut and that ended her time at Impact. Wow. <laughs> she actually died. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, yeah. I thought you were dead. Kayfabe's broken. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was gory as well. I was like, oh, oh, well, you know. Uh, Sue Young's pretty brutal, as we'll yeah. talk about in a little while. Oh, definitely. Eve, <laughs> Eve, uh, Eve review coming up very shortly. Uh, last match to touch on: Michael Nakazawa defeated Axel Bailey in a hardcore match, which involved uh, a kiddie pool, uh, inflatable weapons, arcade uh, buttons, arcade buttons, uh, joystick of sorts, GameCube controller. Yeah. Um, mm. I didn't yeah. hate it. I thought it was fun, but why i thought 
I thought this match should have been a dark match. I mean, it was, wasn't it? It was on the pre-show. But, like, it, 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 yeah, it's, but it's, it's not for us. It's for the live crowd who've been at CEO all weekend, and they're all yeah. like, video games, video games. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't really for me. I don't know or care who Alex Jabaley is, really. MJF, um, MJF should have come out and cut his promo right there. Yeah, he should have. Saved done. it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I used to like video games until I lost my virginity. Line oh, of the century. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I will say this. Jabaini wasn't as bad as I thought he'd be. Yeah. Yeah, that's for someone, true. For someone relatively untrained, eh, well done. And I, like, I can't hate on a guy who steps on a ring. Uh, like, he did some moves. <laughs> nepotism aside nepotism aside he you know he got in the ring he hit some moves he took some bumps uh he he's gonna have a few bruises you know kudos to him yeah i I think that's the fairest thing i could say it was pants it should have been not it should it should have been a dark match it should have been before the pre-show because at the end of the day this was free for the united states all of it so it's essentially the same show yeah exactly Um, so yeah, I think that's a failure, and I don't think it helps Michael Nakazawa to get over. But then again, I think he's supposed to be the comedy act. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, he's not that funny. Um, yeah, I was thinking that too. Powerfully, painfully unfunny. If he does that baby oil spot in every match, I'm just going to start skipping them. Yeah, um, yeah, rather watch Elias. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's saying something um so yeah uh let's do our usual thing grade match of the night mvp whatever order you want to pick uh let's start with the grade then uh i'll i'll give mine first and i think i'm gonna say a b minus or maybe a c plus somewhere around there yeah i go c plus too i know i gave stomping grounds a b last week i prefer stomping grounds (laughs) I, I, I can't believe I'm saying that. But, uh, <laughs> I feel the heat already. Unfortunately, it's true. Uh, yeah, I didn't enjoy this show that much. I thought I thought there was good parts to it, um, but as a whole, I just didn't love it. And I think I'll probably get more invested once TV rolls around. So I think I think it's just going to be a personal thing for the first few months until all out. So, yeah, I think, I think that's just my own perspective. Um, no, I think I think that's a lot of people feeling quite similar. Yeah. So Cody versus Darby Allen was my match tonight. What was yours? Uh, probably the four way, actually. Ah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. That that was probably second on my list. It was between that and Cody Allen versus uh, versus Allen for me. Uh, so. Mine was between that four way and the tag match, which I nearly said. Yeah, no, the tag match was up there as well. I thought those three really stood out to me. So, yep, yep. And uh, who's your MVP? Can I have private party, even though they're a tag team, or do I have to pick one of them? Because I don't don't know which one's which yet. Yeah, A, that, and B, like, it's one act, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think they were my MVPs. I was kind of expecting them to be another, like, Alex Jabaley level hiring, and they were actually really good. Yeah, my my uh, MVP was Michael. No, uh, <laughs> my MVP is my boy. I'm gonna keep saying this. My boy MJF. Oh yeah, I, just, I love of his course. character work. Loved his promo. Um, 
the Final Four is fantastic. Can't really say too much beyond that. I think, you know, yeah, twice in a row he's been my MVP. <laughs> so He is uh, very, very good. Also, yeah. his picture on Wikipedia is excellent. I'm just oh. hovering over it now. He's just doing an incredibly smug face. It's like the most MJF picture of MJF. S- salt of the earth, MJF. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Salt of the earth. Have you so, seen that video of him on um, the some American talk show at age like four years old singing You Are My Sunshine? Oh, my God, that's such an MJF pick. No, but I, 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 have, seen it, yeah, I have seen it go around the internet and I'm like... Don't want kayfabe to ever break with MJF. <laughs> He's twenty three. He is twenty three. Yeah, I know. It's I, not I fair, am twenty seven, and I have accomplished nothing in my life except for this Mate, podcast. He's ten <laughs> years younger than me. It's a joke. Yeah, you look younger than me, so it's fine. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I. Oh, God damn you, MJF! You're so talented. Damn you, MJF. You're so talented, MJF. God damn it. Yeah. Anyway, you. Um, <laughs> I was going to do a transition, <laughs> but I completely botched that. Transition time. So, yeah, after this break, we'll speak about more talented people, this time from the wonderful world of Eve Pro Wrestling and their show, Wrestle Queendom 2, just after this short break. This podcast is affiliated with the WWL Meetup Group. WWL or Watch Wrestling London get together with many fans to watch pay-per-view replays on Monday nights and attend live events across London, be it WWE, Progress, Rev Pro, Eve and many more. It's a great way to watch wrestling with friendly people and all are welcome to join. You can find out more at watchwrestling.london or just Google Watch Wrestling London and you'll find the meetup page. So, uh, from one show we watched week- this weekend to another one that we were there live for, Sam, and that was Ease Wrestle Queen 2 from York Hall in Bethnal Green, East London. Yes. Uh, and, um, yeah, this was a really fun show, and uh, I have no regrets going. I completely, completely uh, missed out on the first one, which I was sad. Uh, I'm not sure why. I think I was away. So to go to Wrestle Queen 2 was pretty fun. My first Eve show, actually. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. Well, what about you? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it as well. The Wrestle Queendom 1 was my show of the year last year. Really? Uh, I, yeah, it was really good. Like In terms of live live shows, there was other shows I went to that had like individual better matches on them. Uh, but that show was like from start to finish, just a, a barnstormer. This show also, you know, delivered... Uh, lived up to the high standard of last year's uh, Wrestle Kingdom 2 as well. Yeah. Yeah, I I kind of agree this is a really really good show. Um if it weren't for the fact I went to New York for WrestleMania week, um I would probably put this as my top show of the year that I've been to live. Um actually no, NXT takeover New York will always win. But apart <laughs> from that, uh yeah, in terms of the actual in-ring stuff, yeah, this was Paid 20 quid only, and I got eight, nine great matches on the whole. Um, I, yeah, I can't really complain about this at all no. in terms of the in-ring wrestling. Unfortunately, we're going to start off on a negative. Um, well, not not necessarily negative, but sad. Yeah, it's negative for the world of professional wrestling, but yes. yeah, that's uh, a good way some could it. come out of it. Uh, Charlie Morgan. Uh, unfortunately announced her retirement she of course injured her foot uh, leg area 
uh, in her first Shimmer show over the United States earlier in the year. Uh, this is after she debuted for NXT UK, I believe, as well, being a part of that. But yeah, she wasn't on this card, obviously, and she announced her retirement in a separate segment halfway through the show. Not a dry eye in the house, uh, safe to say. Yeah, yeah. I, I was compl- like, Charlie Morgan, it, it's really a shame that she is not wrestling anymore because she's was extremely good in the ring. And as that promo showed... She's fucking great on the mic as well. I mean, even though it, it, I guess it's easy to make an emotional speech when they're just your emotions, but still, um, yeah, I, I got completely drawn into this. I think we all needed a little bit of a, a support afterwards. Yeah. Um, got very sad. Uh, by the way, when I was crying, there was a massive plate of onions next to me. That's why. Oh, yeah, of course. We were all sniffing loads of onions. Yeah, all sniffing loads of onions. We're very manly was- men. And, th- and that was not the fat guy in front of me either. Uh, <laughs> he actually wore deodorant for once. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, try- I'm trying to joke uh, out of this because I am not sure how to even describe uh, how sad this is because, you know, ultimately she was a phenomenally talented wrestler. Yeah. Uh, um, and I, great. I mean, I've seen her in progress a couple of times. She was great uh very good character work very good primer work she had all the tools to succeed and i think um if she wanted to i think a couple of years down the line she would kick to ask whether it would be an nxt uh aew impact she could easily be on one of those shows yeah uh, no doubt those tremendous rosters and fit right in without any problems yeah uh, absolutely absolute shame um absolute shame yeah, but hopefully, I mean, hopefully she'll still get to stay around Eve in some like on-screen role or on commentary. I know she trains at the Eve Dojo as well, and you know, foot injury isn't going to stop her from being able to do that. So, still going to be benefiting the world of professional wrestling as, a, yeah. as an upside. Yeah, it, and even not like she's doing it for her health, and I think that's the most important thing. Uh, yeah, it's in in a in a in the age of Kota Ibushi's and and Darby Allens, it's nice to see a wrestler making a sensible decision about you know yeah. living to old age. In fact, that's yeah. what she said in her promo. I'd quite yeah. like to grow old. Yeah, I think you know we see so many horror stories from guys in the eighties and nineties passing way before their time that I think we forget why certain uh, organizations promote safe wrestling mm. and why certain places don't like chair shots to the head, why certain places don't like pile drivers. Um, I, of course, this is not related to foot injury at all, but it's why people don't take risks. And I think, you know, it does promote safety in the ring and it does promote your health is still important, even though you beating your body up for the sake of entertainment, which is what professional wrestling is. It's yeah. not, it's entertainment. At the end of the day, it's completely different. Yep. Agreed. Completely agreed. Yep. Um, so, so yep. uh, yeah, I was just gonna say, uh, moving on to a very, a, a positive note. Can we talk about the stardom, uh, exhibition match? Kagetsu versus Mayu Iwatani. Yes. First of all. Yes. Those ladies, 
pretty fucking good at wrestling. Dave Meltzer says Mayu Iwatani is, uh, he says it's like the top three wrestlers in the world are Kairi Sane, Io Shirai, and Mayu Iwatani. And I, I think she definitely showed that this weekend. She's very good. Kairi Sane in the top three. Huh, that's interesting. According uh, to Meltzer, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I actually. Unlike a lot of people, I do actually respect Meltzer's opinion. Uh, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dispute him too much. He knows more about professional wrestling than I do. But yeah, Mayu Iwatani is really impressive. I also really like Kagetsu. I think um, for a time limit draw, yeah, this is definitely one of the matches of the night. Uh, I really had, yeah. I really, I really had, uh, yeah, I, I loads of great spots in this match. Uh, yeah, I thought it was absolutely fascinating to watch something completely different. Uh, yeah, which sure. is what's uh, to this first ever time I've seen like two stardom ladies uh, in the ring properly against each other and yeah, it was really great stuff. They're very very fast. And like like I was saying earlier, like the what struck me about both of them's facial expressions completely like they obviously they don't speak English so they can't interact with the crowd that way but I was instantly like able to understand the emotions they were feeling from from their powerful facial expressions yeah yeah and, uh, yeah I mean I think Kiketsu in particular was really expressive yeah uh, um, she she's a I think she's a phenomenal talent as well like she has such a striking look in comparison to a lot of uh, female wrestlers yeah absolutely she looks like a badass just straight from the top you know uh like i will never want to mess with her i'll tell you that (laughs) yeah yeah she she's the leader of uh awido tai who i think are like the big heel faction in stardom so she's like queen heel yeah i think which is quite interesting so we can move on to the EVE International three-way elimination match, uh, which yes. Jamie Hayter won with Kagetsu at ringside because Jamie Hayter's part of that faction. She defeats Utami... Do you want to pronounce it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Utami Hayashishita. I mean, I'm just saying it quickly. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Yeah. So Utami, and <laughs> I'll, I'll just say the first name. Yeah. Yeah, is it the Haya, first name? Haya Shishita, I think is her surname. Haya Shishita. Ah! And Nina Samuels, uh, in a three-way elimination match, Hater gets the pin on Atami first and then defeats Nina Samuels afterwards. I really enjoyed this match. I yeah. thought I wouldn't because I, it's a three-way elimination match and I thought, oh, Hater's going to win because she won the right to have a title opportunity. I thought it would be obvious booking. It was obvious booking, but still there's a lot of drama involved. Yeah, exactly. I was surprised that um, Utami was the one that got pinned first, actually. I would, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why, but I think Nina Samuels is like a bigger star in EVE than most other places. Yeah, that makes I, mean, sense. I mean, Nina Samuels on XT UK from day one, so you're going to go with the WWE last towards the end, I was, I was surprised. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, which is a shame for Tommy, but as defending champion, you never want a champion to go out first. But then again, it goes, ooh, could Nina Samuels win this, actually? So, oh, yeah. And then it turned out, no, actually. No, no, Nobody no. on NXT UK is allowed to keep any of their belts in EVE, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to go to the controversial finish? Yeah. Of, uh, which... 
left a slight sour taste in everyone's mouth, I think, in a good way. Maybe. Yeah, it was. I mean, so for context, dear listener, Uh, The the main event was Viper versus Kaylee Ray, who is currently EVE champion for the EVE title, the main big title. Uh, It was a great match. Kaylee Kaylee Ray won. But obviously both of those ladies are going Uh, to... Viper won. Oh, did Viper win? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I can't read. Viper won, yeah. Um, Viper, Viper won, but because they're both joining NXT UK, they can't keep the title. So out comes uh, Rhea O'Reilly uh, and two people, Livy Grace and Nightshade. I don't actually know who they are. Nightshade was in the tag match. Earlier. No, she wasn't. It's a different match. No, she's a singles match. Yeah. Very, she's in the opening match. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember now. Um, and, yeah, she... Uh, they ran in, beat up Viper. Rio O'Reilly cuts a little promo because she's Eve matchmaker. And she says, oh, you asked me for three matches. You asked me for, I can't remember who it was, Kaylee Ray, and I gave it to you. And you asked me for Jordan Grace, and I gave it to you. And you asked for Rio O'Reilly, who she is, and you're getting it right now. So it was like uh, money in the bank cash in, but without the money in the bank. It's like money in the bank meets like corrupt raw GM storyline, basically. Yeah. It's it's kind of how I imagined William Regal winning the WWE title when he was Raw GM. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, I did not like the execution of this at all. I think no. <laughs> I think they would have benefited from going, uh, just you know, send off the fans happy. You know, it's a big show. Like this is why uh, WrestleMania and Starcade um, always closed out with a face victory. It's yeah. Just, it, exactly yeah. that's what i was going to say new, at the new, end of any new, other eve yeah. show this would have been fun yeah. new, new japan they kind of do a similar sort of thing with wrestle kingdom like you yeah. usually have the face win uh, and in this instance you have viper cut a promise and i as you know i'm off to do bigger better things this place has been great unfortunately due to my contractual obligations i have to vacate this title but it's been an honor winning this title for the first time in my career and hopefully not the only time and just leave it like that boom yeah exactly um i know they've got stories to pursue but then you can set up a tournament which a lot of people love i don't but a lot of people love and Get to well, hang on. That way. Eve already has a, a, a. They have the she won. They have like a, a purpose built, a, a league style. So it's like the G one. They have yeah. that tournament already. So they could have just said yeah, the title's vacant. Yeah, we'll do it but, in the she one instead. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe, or you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm I'm not that well versed in she, but um, she Eve booking. <laughs> so I can't really criticize too much. I, I will say this. So I think this deflects from the fact that Viper versus Kelly Ray was a really good story and a really good match. A really good match. Yeah. Um, first time seeing those, both those women in the ring, uh, a lot like live. I've seen them before and ICW. I think they had a queen of the queen of death match or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. They did. Uh, yeah. Fear and loathing, which looked really awesome. Um, if you like hardcore wrestling, check that out. I think it's on ICW's channel um, on YouTube. But yeah, I thought this is a fantastic technical match. Uh, I yeah, I thought this was a really good match, and it's a shame it ended the way it did. I understand why they did it. I just think it could have been done differently. Yeah, completely agree. It, they had to. It, they they had to get the title off Viper somehow, but maybe they could have waited until it yep. wasn't the end of their big yearly show. Maybe. 
as a as a little suggestion. Uh, speaking of title matches, shall we just go on to the Eve tag title match briefly? Yeah. Uh, the Wrestle Friends became the first ever Eve tag team title champions, defeating uh, the Diamond Vogue Collective of Ginny and Mercedes Blaze and the Medusa Complex, the tag team of Charlie Evans and Millie McKenzie. Was it me or were the faces here, which were the Wrestle Friends, weren't as over? Yeah, I think they're, they're both like if you go to an eve show at the res gallery yeah they're both mega well known but outside of eve i don't think erin angel and jetta are that well known at all i, I don't think they've really appeared on any other major promotions or anything do which you, means that the crowd reaction from them was just a bit flat yeah do you also think um it doesn't help that Ginny and Minnie mckenzie are obviously really well known at this point in comparison to the yeah other yeah point. indeed yeah, I, I think that's the only thing that really comes to mind of why it didn't succeed. I think the other thing as well, it just felt a bit messy and it's kind of, it's very hard to do three-way tag team title matches. You see it on WWE. I hate, I hate referencing them all the time. But, but you, yeah, you see it now and again in those shows and it's just like, who's actually legal? Um you know, yeah, it gets I, really confusing. And I think, I think some, I think what could have been better is either just tornado style, or just have one woman from each team in the ring at that, at the same time. I would prefer that. And, yeah. and that's that's not just a criticism of this match; it's just a criticism of this match, this match type. Yes, uh, uh, I think that would be better booking, in my opinion. Just it, it allows for fans to follow follow it a bit better because being alive is like so who's legal and i think the other thing that really really annoyed me a bit i think erin angel or jetta was tapping out mercedes blaze if i'm correct yes and i think uh Minnie mckenzie is preventing Ginny on the wrong team i hate to add from breaking up the uh the submission attempt or the pin attempt. I can't remember how exactly finished, but I remember watching that and I was thinking, but why would Minnie McKenzie? Yeah. Why would she do that? that? Yeah. It doesn't work. Um, no, so, yeah. I mean, I, I guess in their defense, even though they're quite well established wrestlers, I suppose you have to think, consider the fact that there are no tag, uh, no companies with women's tag divisions anywhere in the UK. So this is likely like, one of the first tag matches these people have ever been in. Uh, or maybe uh, I'm being a bit harsh no, there. Uh, not, not one of the first tag matches they've ever been in. Like, okay, you don't have tag team championships, but, you know, there are women's tag matches. True, true. Like, but even, even then, you have the extra, the three-way stipulation makes it a bit more yeah. weird and complicated as well. So I wasn't expecting great things from this match, and... It, it delivered on them. Um, yeah. yeah. So, do you want to talk about the rest of the card or anything else briefly? Uh, the only other match I wanted to touch on was the Undeath match, which I yeah. fucking loved. Uh, it was great. Sue Young, the, the Corpse Bride Sue Young versus Session Goth Martina. Really good fun death match. Very silly. Oh, it was silly. It was so Martina. And yeah, I absolutely it was. It. Like, I... I really hope she doesn't go to like if she does go to NXT, 
UK. That's brilliant for her. Nothing against it. Just as a personal note, just I really enjoy her. Like, just as she is on the independence. Um, yeah, I agree. But this might have been almost like because she pulled out. She was in uh, Combat Zone Wrestling's Tournament of Death, which is a deathmatch tournament. Uh, oh, uh, this year, but she pulled out a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Oh so, my god! Could you actually imagine that? Like, oh, it would be chaos. The tournament, the tournament of death. By the way, if, if if you haven't seen it, listener, uh, there's a voice documentary on it. Very eye-opening. Yeah. I watched. I've watched a few matches. It's actually one of the first independent promotions I ever paid attention to, and hence why I knew who John Moxie was when he signed uh, with FCW and why when he got called up. I was like, holy shit! That guy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that guy's insane, and you have to be insane to wrestle one of those tournaments. Which Martina apparently, apparently is. Yeah, that Vice documentary would definitely recommend watching it. Extremely grim. Like yeah. you, you don't normally get a view. Uh, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but you don't normally get to see like after the death match. You don't get oh, to yeah. see what happens backstage afterwards, and so that's extremely eye opening and intensely gruesome. I kind of feel sorry for the promoter. He gets so much hate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. DJ Hyde. Yeah, he does. Yeah, poor guy. But anyway. Uh, but this that... match featured a giant baby. This match, Martina was in trouble. And then a, a giant inflatable baby suit person appeared on the stage and gave her a weapon for her yeah. to fight back. Uh, another point in the match, all of Sue Young's clones all appeared from all around the arena. Undead bridesmaids. Yeah. Yeah, I was so happy when they came out. I'm like, yes, I see this on impact. <laughs> uh, no, it's happening for real. Yeah, it's um, kind, of, it kind of a kayfabe breaking moment that, like, behind us, uh, there are some doors, obviously, uh, to the actual entrance of York Hall, and there, there they were, just waiting for the spot. And like, kind, yeah, kind trying of to slightly kind of, watch the match. Uh, I'm like, I kind of tempted to go. Oh, hi there. <laughs> uh, they probably would have just told you to fuck off. Yeah. Um, uh, the one, uh, the one match I will uh, just want to touch on last is Laura DiMatteo defeats Jordan Grace. Oh yeah. Uh, great to see Jordan Grace live. Laura DiMatteo, uh, is she destined to become the next Eve champion after Rhea Riley? I think so. I could definitely see them putting her in the Charlie Morgan position. Yeah. She's got quite a similar stature. Yeah. Stature, personality, way she carries herself in the ring, all Mm. that stuff. Um, so yeah, I could see her filling that spot too. And she's really good. I didn't realize that she's super Italian either. I thought she was just British, but from like her parents were from Italy and then she spoke and I was like, Oh no, damn, you come a long way to do this. Fair play. Yeah. Don't get many Italian wrestlers. No, exactly. Apart from Santino Morella, obviously. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm hating on him. I love that guy. He's fine. Uh, yeah, he's fine. He does actually a pre-show stuff for Impact, I think, these days. Oh, does he? Yeah. yeah. Or like, kind of like what uh, WWE used to do with uh, Confidential with uh, Mean Gene. Oh, uh, yeah. There's that sort of stuff, which is quite fascinating to actually watch. But yeah, no. So uh, shall we do this typical grade? Grade, yeah. Yep. I, I feel like when I when when I grade it, 
uh, I should point out that I have a tendency to think wrestling I saw live is way better than anything I ever see on TV. So I'm going to give this show a B plus. Um, yeah, actually, that feels like I'm pitching it a bit low. No, no, I think a B plus. Yeah, B plus. A minus. Yeah. Uh, I'm giving it A minus. I think. Yeah, if it wasn't for the ending and the tag team title match, which has some questionable logic to it, this would have been a solid. Uh, this would definitely be an A. Uh, apart from that, can't really fault it. The, all the wrestling was great in this show. Yeah, and uh, I can't wait for my next Eve show. I'll say yeah, that. for sure. I was, if you've never been to see an Eve show, dear listener, get yourself down to one of their shows at the Resistance Gallery. There's nothing else like it. It's it's incredible atmosphere. Tiny, tiny venue. It's really cool. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's a really actually. I've seen Lucha Britannia there, and uh, yeah, I can vouch for that. I really like the venue too. It's kind of a weird underground vibe um so yeah that's why i like it so yeah recommend it up next uh we'll be talking about the latest appointments to dodo's executive director positions uh paul Heyman and eric bischoff being executive directors of raw and smackdown and what that means for the future hey you if you like the podcast then remember to like the holy shoe wrestling podcast on facebook and follow us on twitter at holy shoe pot do it do it now WWE have recently announced two new appointments to Monday Night Raw and Tuesday Night SmackDown. Uh, Actually, the executive director position of uh, both shows. Paul Heyman is the executive director of Raw. Eric Bischoff is the executive director of SmackDown. And apparently they are not televised roles and they're going to be looking after the creative of Raw and SmackDown going forward with final sign-off being from Vince McMahon. Uh, not only that, it's been recently advertised that uh, these shows, which I think are happening in the American Allies Center in Dallas, uh, that Paul Heyman would feature on Raw. He didn't last night. We're recording this on Tuesday night, so if, you, uh, if Eric Bischoff does appear on SmackDown, then we're wrong, but Eric Bischoff has been advertised to appear on SmackDown. It's been a bit of a weird... Uh, Weird situation, to say the least, because apparently both men were supposed to start in a couple of weeks, but Paul Heyman's influence was felt last night in Raw, and I thought we should talk about it. So, Sam, what are your thoughts on the appointments, first and foremost? Um, I'm, I mean, I'm, I guess, optimistic, but sceptical, because it is, at the end of the day, the WWE, and so both guys, they could be as good because as they like, they're still going to get Vince to fuck. I mean, Paul Heyman's got... Fuck. Yeah, that's the expression, getting Vince to fuck. <laughs> Vince, there's a D, there's uh, a D on the end I'm of like, Vince. What? Like, I mean... Uh, <laughs> to be sorry. Vinced, like rinsed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I realised it works better on text rather than uh, out loud, that, that phrase. Yeah. Let's not bring it in as a thing. Um, okay, so he's they're going to get done by Vince, basically. Oh, that's not even better. Um, but yeah... I think Heyman's got experience doing that. And when he was GM of SmackDown, not when he was heading up SmackDown creative, they did outrate raw for a few weeks, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, 2002, 2003 SmackDown was the peak of SmackDown. Uh, That was under Paul Heyman's creative. And then they decided to move the creative to Stephanie McMahon. um, For reasons. uh, To say the least. Mm. Uh, 
yeah, I think it's interesting appointments. If they do have more creative control than anybody else has had in recent times, then I think they could be on to a winner. I'm not so sure about Bischoff as a creative guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he did get WCW to rival WWE. So there is that. And I think he did brilliantly with the NWI, probably the hottest angle in WCW's history. So he does have some, uh, he does have a good track record. But then obviously seeing the death of WCW, uh, impacts decline. Yeah, uh, in, impact, all, all exactly. I'm not sure like what his involvement was in impact, so I can't say for sure. But I think... It, I think he'll be a good appointment in the sense that if he is there to oversee the transition from uh, the USA network to Fox, then I think that's a good transition because he is actually a television guy. Mm, true. He is. He made his. He, he makes reality TV for a living. So I think it's. I think it could be a very good appointment. Let's just hope he doesn't bring back Vince Russo because. Oh. He, he, he did that in WCW, and that's arguably what killed it. And he, I'm pretty sure he did it in TNA as well, because that's how Russo ended up working there. Oh, yeah. Probably argue that did quite a lot of damage to TNA as well. Yep. Remember when TNA was like AEW? <laughs> <laughs> oh, those were the days. Those yeah. Days, and then they went live. On oh, remember the X Division? Uh, yeah, it, still, it still exists. Oh, of course. As Impact is a good show. You should watch Slammiversary on Sunday night or Monday. Trust me, it's a good show. Oh, yeah. uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I really, I, I'm more optimistic after seeing a few bits from Raw. I haven't seen everything from Raw this week. I'll probably watch the entire show for once. Um, yeah, I was thinking that as well, which is like surprising for me. Yeah, but I, I was really pleasantly surprised by how well positively received everything is it does feel like even the undercar's got storylines this is one week but it definitely feels like Heyman is on the show already yeah yeah for sure uh, apparently I did read on Cage Side Seats that he's been around since February but basically they've just finalising the details so you can have full creative control oh, okay. want, yeah. but do, do you think this is a also a thing where Vince McMahon is going to the XFL next year. He's going to have more input to that, so he has to let go of creative control. Oh, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And he's trying to pick kind of deputies that he knows are solid or that he's trusted before. Are you, so, surpri- are you surprised Paul Levesque is uh, not one of them? Uh, no, because if I... I reckon what will probably happen is that he'll be in the Vince position when Vince goes. So then Heyman and um, Bischoff will be reporting to Trips instead of to Vince. Fair enough. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And he I runs th- NXT already as well. Yeah. Yeah. It would be interesting to see Road Dog run NXT. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> you change oh, your mind oh. about that. You change your mind about NXT when Road Dog's booking it. I don't think Road Dog was a bad booker for SmackDown. He's, he's he's on XT right now, so you know. But Road oh, Dog, Dog wasn't a bad booker for SmackDown, I don't think. You know, Jinder Mahal was Vince's thing. Just FYI. Yeah, true. Maybe yeah. I'm being a bit harsh on Road Dog. He yeah. he's working within a broken system. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it'll, that broken system gets unbroken for you, Sam, when uh, Heyman and Bischoff 
finally take the reins. Yeah, bit. we'll see. Officially in a couple of weeks. I wonder if you'll appear tonight. But anyway, um, so yeah, moving on to our next segment. Shall we just go straight into the Ring of Dishonor instead of having a break? Yeah, yeah, we can do. It kind yeah. of feeds in. Yeah, it kind of feeds in. So yeah, this is based off of something that happened last night on Raw, I believe. Yeah, so there were two things that happened last night on Raw that made me think this is a uh, when I read the results that made me think uh, Paul Heyman's been involved in this. The first one was sounded really cool, and it is when uh, Braun Strowman got speared through all the shit, all the tech electric stuff, and there was loads of pyro and explosions, and that sounds really cool. The second thing. And this is what is going into the Ring of Dishonor for me this week, was the Maria Canellis pregnancy angle. So I would like to enter into the Ring of Dishonor pregnancy storylines in professional wrestling. Okay, so what's your pitch? Uh, so my pitch is you can't end them in a satisfying way. There's, it, You can't let a storyline run for long enough that the baby can be born and therefore you can have – and you can do that convincingly anyway – um, because yeah, y- y- you can't fake a pregnancy. It's really hard, uh, and you can't have it end like early without it just being like unnecessarily brutal, like like or, or kind of comically terrible. There's no good way for for you to end a pregnancy angle at all. I just still remember Snitsky kicking a baby. Exactly. That's the type of shit I'm thinking of. Like, uh, that, the Claire Lynch story. No, is it Claire uh, Lynch from yeah, TNA? Claire, this baby's yeah. coming, AJ. Do the right thing. Oh, oh my God. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh that, God, dog amazing. shit. Dog shit, dog shit. Like, there's better ways of creating... If you want to do, like, a romance angle, romance storyline, there's so many better ways that are way more believable. Especially if the pregnant person is a wrestler, because then either they're faking being pregnant or they're a fucking terrible mother getting in the wrestling ring whilst pregnant with a child. Uh, uh, Paige's mum did it. Yeah, I guess that was really early days. Yeah. She didn't know she was pregnant then. Yeah. Okay, so um, has a pregnancy storyline paid off well? So when Mae Young gave birth to a hand. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, all right, okay. I withdraw my entry. <laughs> no, I will. No. I will say this: the hand grew up and appeared on Raw One Thousand. It did, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> it did pay off. They knew it was stupid, and it paid off. So. That's uh, long-term that booking from the WWE there. Yeah, surprising. Um, uh, but, like, the Claire Lynch storyline, that was terrible. Snitsky and Kane, that was terrible. And I just... It's like Maria Kanellis hasn't been on TV for, like, a year, and now they're back with this terrible angle. Well, okay. So, in, in defence of this angle, A, it's the first angle they've got on main roster television in a while because it's been on 205 Live. Secondly, there's been no so popular storylines which made the Attitude Era so successful, made Ruthless Aggression Era quite successful. A failure by comparison, but you know, there's none of the entertainment that makes WWE WWE and the reason why people watch WWE. I'm not saying there's a reason why people watch professional wrestling. Mm. No, no, you're right. That's fair. They're almost separate things. So there's no storylines which attract people. You need to get people watching. And what, you know, made people 
that I know watched it and who no longer watch it was the stupidity, uh, surprisingly. So as much as it's not to your taste and I'm not too bothered about it either way, at least they're doing something and they're doing something different, which is completely out of left wing. And apart from Bray White's family, a Firefly Funhouse, there's something actually different yeah um, that's not just like three months so i'm gonna let it play out yeah i mean i'm i'm happy to be proven wrong uh and and you know maybe this maybe she's not even pregnant this angle maybe she's not throw away because she doesn't want to get beat up yeah 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 yeah, exactly and that's that's fine experienced wrestler you know could be our next feud i mean that doesn't really blow my mind blow me away but it's a potential next feud set up between becky lynch and maria canales uh, yeah yeah i guess i mean this one I but like then the let's i like oh, the good line maybe becky should impregnate me <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was quite uh, gold um so so this particular pregnancy angle might be the one that breaks the rule but can you name a pregnancy angle prior did, to this one i did Mark Henry and May Young. It oh, took yeah. a while, but it did. Um, I mean, that Kane, wasn't the really. The one was just bad because Kane Alita was bad beforehand, so they had to take it up a notch and make and it more extreme in order to make Kane a face. And remember the episode of Raw where Snitsky punted the baby into the crowd. <laughs> That's the kind of shit I'm talking about. Yeah, but we haven't seen anything like that in years so yeah that's true yeah maybe uh, Brock Lesnar needs to come out and kick a baby into a toilet or something I don't know I think I think the modern era of wrestling misses those characters quite a bit and I think some of the success this is a bit off tangent a bit but you know you look at the success of the 24-7 championship you have comedy from it's comedy angles galore yeah it's all comedy angles uh, it's different the reason why Bray Wyatt is so over, because it's different. The reason why Becky Lynch was so over pre- prior to WrestleMania is because she was different. different. True, true. Uh, she was a badass when this roster's not full of badasses. You know, the reason why Braun Strowman was over, because flipping shit every single week and wondering what he's going to flip next is different. And that's the thing. So in defense... I'm going to not put it in the ring of dishonor. We can come back to uh, it. We can I was going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm owed two more votes for this. Normally, there's more people on this podcast. Yeah. We can come back to this in a few months' time. Um, and we'll and see if, if I've given birth to a hand or not. Bring back the same <laughs> storylines because nothing else has worked for main roster WWE. So as far as I'm concerned, I'll see how that storyline plays out. I mean, I'm not I, bothered about it. It's a story. Let's tell a story. I guess you could probably say something along the lines of, if you don't like that shit, go and watch New Japan, because yeah. they definitely do not do any soap opera shit in that promotion. What do you, uh, mean, what, what, what do you mean, pal? Such good shit. Oh, such good shit. Do, yeah, Vince do. is hard. He's a hard impression to do. I mean, they, they have some vaguely kind of... I guess you might say fantastical stuff in New Japan, but yeah, nobody's like getting into a fight because of their wife being pregnant or something like that. That's not happening. Yeah. 
I, I enjoyed the storyline where Eddie and Rey Mysterio fought over the custody of a child on a ladder match. Yeah, see, so, I was originally going to make my entry all wrestling angles involving children, and then I was like, ah, oh, but that Dominic thing, I mean, it was stupid, but it was, like, good stupid. And, my, my and, and Nicholas, was that, that was my stupid. My mum that storyline absolutely fascinated. Just going, this is so bad, I love it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and Nicholas be, winning the tag titles with Braun Strowman, lots of people didn't like that, and it was stupid, but it was fun. Like, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Tell that to Chen. Yeah. <laughs> Chen hates fun and loves Baron Corbin. Um, Says a lot. Uh, exactly. He's... You won't listen to this. It's absolutely fine. So, <laughs> I've, unfortunately, pregnancy storylines does not go into the ring of dishonor uh, for you. Uh, but, come back you know, in nine months and see. Come back in nine months when <laughs> the baby is born. <laughs> we'll see if it paid off or not. I told you it paid off. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my! God. Now I'm just thinking. Should we have like a pregnancy, like predict the storyline segment next week? But probably not. Um, so let's see of, if it's referred to again, even next week, or if they yeah. just decide, ah, nah, we just won't talk about that anymore. Yeah, they probably did a lot. Anyway, so speaking of next next episode, we will have our G1 preview as well as a pregnancy. No, I'm joking. No. But it will be our <laughs> it will be our G1 preview, which uh, Sam is in charge of. Uh, he might host it, I might host it, but he's the lead man on it regardless. Uh, so join us. That's happening later in the week. So yeah, second half of the week. Two episodes for the price of one this week. We deliver content. But until next time, remember to follow us on Facebook, uh, like us on Twitter, and give us a subscription if you haven't done so on your podcast outlet. Give us a rating, preferably a five-star rating. And that's the bottom line, because this pod sets up. So.